You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Balls, your team every day. My name is Josh Ward. Thank you for being here on today's show. We have a lot to get to on today's show, don't we? Saturday did not go well for Tennessee, and it was not expected to, but man, was that a disappointing showing for the Vols, and it was a game that I think could have been better for Tennessee. I guess it could have been worse, but in the end, one way or the other, what does it really matter? Tennessee loses by 31 points to Alabama. It's another loss, 14 straight for Tennessee against Alabama, and there is a lot to get cleaned up. There's a lot to to dive into. So on today's show, you're going to hear from Jeremy Pruitt. He said something after the game that I think a lot of people are going to push back on, but I'll let you hear what he had to say and why he said it on today's show about how Tennessee compares to the big boys of the SEC, Alabama, Georgia, and Florida, the schools that, to this point, have beaten Tennessee badly every time Jeremy Pruitt's team has taken the field. And then what about the young players? I know Tennessee fans want to see more young players on the field. There's one who made big plays on Saturday. Could we see more of that moving forward? We'll get to all of that here on Locked On Vols today, presented by BuiltBar.com. Remember to use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order when you go to BuiltBar.com. So it was a game that Tennessee loses by 31 points. The Vols were 21.5-point underdogs going in. Bama covered that pretty comfortably. The final score was close to what I thought. My score, I think, on Friday's show was 44-17, to and Tennessee lost 48-17. to So it was about what I expected But I would still say the showing, some of the approach on offense, Tennessee's decision to run consistently, even in long-yarded situations, took away much of an opportunity for Tennessee to compete. And if you think about what you saw Saturday and you think about what you've seen since halftime of the Georgia game, well, in the three games, including the, the Georgia game in the first half where Tennessee actually had the lead, Tennessee has been outscored 126 to 45 since beating Missouri. So when Tennessee was 2-0 and and ranked in the top 20 in the country and had an eight-game winning streak, which was among the best in the nation, since then, Tennessee has been outscored 126-45. to Now, two of those games are against Georgia and Alabama, but also you have Kentucky thrown in there. Kentucky, by the way, which couldn't do anything against Missouri on Saturday and lost by 10 points. And also, I know Georgia and Alabama, they're supposed to be better but they finished better than what the projected point spread was going in. Alabama covered by 10 points. Georgia covered by about 10 points with the final score in the game three weeks ago. And it continues to be a trend that I'm going to get to in a moment. But the thing that concerned me with the game plan that appeared extremely conservative on offense, it it was very obvious that the coaching staff did not trust Jarrett Garantano with much to do there. And I know that part of the reaction, part of my thought, by the way, is, well, if you're going to ask Jarrett Garantano to do that, why not put in a a younger quarterback that could make more plays? My guess is, though, that if they put in Brian Maurer, who right now appears to be the number two guy, they would have been extremely conservative with him. When he came into the game late, they just ran the football. So I doubt if Brian Maurer's in there against Alabama's defense, they're going to ask him to do any more than they asked Jarrett Garantano to do. And what they asked him to do, he did fine. He hit some deep passes down the field. We know he can throw the deep ball. He didn't turn it over, took care of the football. They didn't ask him to make many challenging throws, uh, certainly in the middle of the field. 
So they could have played Ryan Maurer. What difference would that have made in this game? None, I would say. They had the turnover for a touchdown, but that was Eric Gray fumbling the football. So the conservative game plan essentially gave Tennessee no chance to be able to pull off the upset or even be in a position in the second half to do so. There was also a decision in the second quarter. I tweeted about it. Some people agreed, some didn't. Here's my line of thinking. Three minutes into the second quarter, Tennessee is down 14 to nothing. Alabama has already scored two touchdowns with relative ease against Tennessee's defense. And on fourth and two at Alabama's 15-yard line, Tennessee is in a position where it's going to be able to have a shot at a touchdown, an opportunity that's probably not going to come very often for Tennessee. And Tennessee knows, has to know, Tennessee's coaching staff have to know that they're going to have to score a bunch of touchdowns to have any kind of shot of competing with Alabama. So on fourth and two, at Alabama's 15-yard line, Jeremy Pruitt opted for the field goal. Brinson Maglia hit it. So that made the score 14-3. to Going for the field goal there, even getting it, is about as good as a turnover. I know there's the idea of, hey, well, at least you got some points on the board. Get out of there with three points. I would ask, what good does that really do you? Bama scored a touchdown four minutes later to go up 21-3. to What's the difference in 21-3 to versus 21 to nothing? In both scenarios, you still need three touchdowns to catch up. And obviously, 21-3 to was not going to be the end of Alabama's scoring. You know that Alabama is going to score most likely a minimum 38 points because that's what Alabama had, that's the lowest Alabama had scored in its first four games. Alabama ends up with 48 points. If you know that Alabama is going to score 38 plus, what good do you think three points will do you? And part of the reaction I saw was, well, it's good for your players to see some points go up on the board. Maybe so, but do you think it's really a, a big motivator for Trey Smith and Brandon Kennedy? to jog off the field on fourth and two, knowing they're 15 yards away from the end zone. And Jeremy Pruitt says, ah, we'll just take three here. We're already down two scores. If it's the first drive of the game and you're just trying to, you're trying to get some points on the board to take a lead and apply some kind of pressure, I'd still disagree with the decision to kick. But at least in that scenario, you're trying to take a lead. When you're already down 14 to nothing and you already know that Alabama is going to score a bunch of points, a field goal does you no good. It does no good to the team. It doesn't help the mindset. If anything, it tells the players, we're not really trying to score touchdowns here. If we can get in position, great. But we'll just take three points. And Alabama's players saw that and said, these guys are kicking a field goal. It's 14-3. to Let's go score again and end the game. When it was 21-3, to who in the stadium thought that Tennessee was even going to challenge Alabama? Certainly not Alabama's players. And I have a hard time saying right now that Tennessee's coaching staff did. I'll also say this, kicking the field goal there is not why Tennessee lost the game. It's not why Tennessee got blown out. If Tennessee went for it, it may have gotten it, may have not. Tennessee may have scored a touchdown on that drive. But either way, Tennessee's still probably going to be blown out in the end. But the mindset, the decision-making, simple math, all of it says Tennessee should be going for a touchdown on that drive because a field goal for Tennessee did the Vols no good. They needed seven points to even stay in the game early on against Alabama and Jeremy Pruitt opted out of it. And as I move on here to some other topics that are much more important than this, I will leave you with this quote, this segment. David Ubbin brought it up during the game on Saturday. This was Jeremy Pruitt three weeks ago saying, quote, It's got to be a mindset. I talked to our team about it. We're not living in fear, so we're sure not going to play in fear or coach in fear. Did the approach on Saturday, kicking a field goal already down 14 to nothing when you only need two yards for a first down, Running the ball on third and seven, third and six, third and eight. 
Is that coaching in fear or is that being aggressive? Is that trying to go take it to your opponent? Which side do you think that was? I don't think it was the former. I'll continue here on Locked on Vols. It's another blowout loss. The numbers are not good. I will give them to you in the next segment, and you can make of them what you want to. I'll do that coming up right here on Locked on Vols. And when we talk about what you need, Saturday during the game, afterward, you might have needed a cold Coors Light. Saturday night, trying to sit down and check out the rest of football. Maybe you switched over to baseball. Maybe you were done with sports. Whatever the case was, you're probably looking to unwind, trying to deal with what had just happened. A cold Coors Light can help you with that as it's made to chill, literally. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, perfect for a moment to unwind. Whether it's a Saturday night after a game you watched and maybe you got frustrated during it, or if it's in the middle of the work week, you get home, you need to unwind a little bit there. It's go, go, go during the day. Nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Coors Light can help you unwind and finish off the day. Coors Light is the one to choose when you need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, Reach for the beer that's made to chill. From Coors Brewing Company in Golden, Colorado, get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. And remember to celebrate responsibly. And I mentioned the go, go, go. You still have to get up and go during the day. You have to to work, to your workout, whatever the case might be. The Built Bar is a perfect option to take on the go. They have 18 amazing flavors. All of their bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. It is a snack that I really enjoy, typically in the middle of the afternoon, but whatever the case might be, something on the go in the middle of the morning. The Built Bars there was, I mentioned a bunch of flavors, coconut almond, mint brownie, salted caramel, caramel brownie is one of the new flavors, so is carrot cake. Go to BuiltBar.com. Check out all the flavors. You can also see the nutritional information as the Built Bar is great for the health conscious person. They're low calorie, low sugar, high in protein, high in fiber. Like the peanut butter comes with 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, only 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. I want to share some information with you that I put out Saturday night after the game, and it has to do with the amount of blowout losses Jeremy Pruitt has had compared to the previous head coaches at Tennessee, Butch Jones and Derek Dooley. Saturday was Jeremy Pruitt's 30th game as Tennessee's head coach. 12 of those games, Tennessee has lost by 21 or more points. That is 40%. So I looked back at the first 30 games for Derek Dooley and the first 30 games for Butch Jones. Under Derek Dooley, Tennessee lost six of the first 30 games by 21 or more points. The same number applies to Butch Jones. Tennessee lost six of the first 30 games under Butch Jones by 21 or more points. So for Butch and for Derek Dooley, it was 20% each. 20% of their games, they lost by 21 or more points. For Jeremy Pruitt, it's 40%. He has as many 21-plus point defeats as Butch Jones and Derek Dooley combined in their first 30 games. Now, I saw some immediate pushback saying, well, there's got to be some context here. And I would say this, first of all, if you're looking for context in losing 40% of your games by 21 or more points, we already have a big problem here in the conversation. But let's apply a little bit of context. I looked at the schedules that the two coaches played compared to Jeremy Pruitt. Butch Jones and Derek Dooley each faced eight 
top 10 opponents in their first 30 games. Jeremy Pruitt has played seven top 10 opponents in his first 30 games. I know that Georgia and Florida are better now than they were when Butch Jones and Derek Dooley were facing them, but not by as much as people want to say. And also, Tennessee plays other opponents than just Georgia and Florida. There's also the Bama effect. They all play Bama. Think about this. In year three for Butch Jones, Tennessee playing at Alabama lost by five points, 19-14, to and Tennessee led in the fourth quarter. In year three, Butch Jones lost to Alabama by five points. On Saturday, Jeremy Pruitt lost by 31 points. I would also say this. If you're trying to point out that Georgia and Florida are better now than they were when the previous coaches were facing them, I would still agree with that. But I would also say, well, isn't Tennessee supposed to be better with Jeremy Pruitt? If you're just pointing to them being better, but not Tennessee, well, isn't that still an issue? I'll continue with this conversation, and I'll try to provide some more context. But Jeremy Pruitt was asked about the gap between Tennessee and the big three rivals in the SEC. Listen to what he said after the game when Jimmy Himes asked him the question. You know, Jimmy, I was on the other sideline three years ago. You think I didn't see that? All right. And I can assure you that the gap is closing. Uh, It might not show on the scoreboard today, uh, but the gap is closing. I can assure you that. Um, And that's one thing that's frustrating to me. Um, And it's frustrating to our players, okay, is – there's there's times that, that uh, we've done some really good things, but as a team, whether it's, you know, offense playing really good and the defense playing really good and special teams, we, we've not put any of that together. Uh, and that's what the elite teams in our program and in our conference, that's what they do, okay? They don't, they don't have many bad plays. Uh, they don't make many mistakes. They make the other team beat them. Um, and – there's times that we've done that this year, but we've not done it for a whole game, even for the games we've won, right? We, we, we've not done that. So um, this will be a great opportunity this next week to go back and see where we're at, to see where we've improved. Um, and from that, we'll have an opportunity to kind of fix the things moving forward. And there is still that opportunity. So that's what Jeremy Pruitt said when he was asked by Jimmy Himes about the gap between Tennessee and the Vols' big rivals in the SEC. And uh, that last point, by the way, that's important. Tennessee still has time this season to get things turned around. And there is still time and a big opportunity in recruiting to get more players. But you need more results too, right? And I know that when Jeremy Pruitt is bringing up the gap from a few years ago and the gap now, he believes they've recruited good players and they're developing players and that they are getting closer. I think he truly believes that, and there's probably a point there. Tennessee is better now than it was in 2018, I believe. I mean, I think most people are going to agree with that. But is Tennessee good enough? Is Tennessee where it should be after two and a half seasons with Jeremy Pruitt as the head coach? The results say no. That's why they need better results on the field. Also, one more item to include. When we talk about context and comparing what Jeremy Pruitt inherited to to what Butch Jones inherited when he took over Derek Dooley, I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot that Butch Jones inherited a better job than Jeremy Pruitt. Maybe that was the case, but 
I'm not sure exactly what that's based on. Is it based on rosters? Remember, Butch Jones inherited Tennessee after Derek Dooley did not sign a single offensive lineman in the 2012 class. He had to rebuild that position group. And if you look at the 2014 and 2015 rosters for Tennessee, teams that had better success than what we're seeing right now from Tennessee, there had been an overhaul. And Butch Jones had brought in many of his players. He had put them on the field, and they were succeeding with Butch Jones at that point. With Jeremy Pruitt, we're not seeing as many of his players certainly having success on the field. But also think about this. Tennessee had not finished in the top 25 in the five previous years when Butch Jones was hired at Tennessee. When Jeremy Pruitt was hired, I know that Tennessee was coming off a really bad 2017, but the two previous years, Tennessee had been in the top 25. So two of the previous three years before Jeremy Pruitt was hired, Tennessee was a top 25 program. That was something that recruits were seeing. It had been five years since Tennessee had finished in the top 25 when Butch Jones was hired. And by the way, the previous season, Tennessee was 0-7 in the SEC before winning the final game of the season against Kentucky, which was also firing its head coach. That's when Derek Dooley had been fired. So he went 0-7 in the SEC as Tennessee's head coach. Butch Jones went 0-6. So maybe Jeremy Pruitt inherited a better situation, but... That's difficult to really say. I I think people might be saying that because they want that to be the case. I also thought about the fact that Shaq Wiggins was a transfer from Louisville to Tennessee before the 2017 season. When he was a recruit, he did not consider Tennessee. He was a highly touted recruit out of the state of Georgia. As a grad transfer, he transferred to Tennessee. And at the time, he told me when he was a recruit, Tennessee was not really on the radar. But while he was at Louisville, the elevation of Tennessee's program caused him to look at the Vols for his final year. The program at the time actually had a pretty good reputation among prospects. All of that really doesn't matter either, though, does it? What really matters is, does Tennessee get better results? Jeremy Pruitt can say that the gap is closing, and maybe it is. I do think he's recruiting well, and I think that he has good players on the roster. But at some point, you need to back that statement up with results, and I think he knows that too. If Tennessee has a successful second half of the season, if Tennessee can win some games because they have quality opponents on the schedule remaining, Texas A&M, Auburn on the road, I think is a pretty quality opponent. Florida is obviously a big-time opponent for Tennessee in the final game. If Tennessee can have success in the second half of the season, that would show that the gap is closing. But if Tennessee continues to lose, certainly if Tennessee continues to get blown out, it's difficult to believe that the gap is closing if we don't see anything to show that the gap is closing. I'll come back here for a final segment of Locked on Vols. What about the idea of playing more younger players as this season goes along? Jeremy Pruitt on the idea of trying to get young guys ready on Saturdays. That's coming up next, plus a couple of other notes here on Locked on Vols. It's part of the Locked on Podcast Network. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. There was the question all of last week who would start at quarterback for Tennessee, and it was Jared Garantano, which was the expectation, I think, going in. 
I thought we would see multiple quarterbacks at different times during the game, but I also thought it was more likely that a second quarterback would come in if Jarrett struggled. I thought that he probably would at some point, but overall he did what the coaching staff wanted him to do. So we saw Brian Maurer late. They really didn't do anything with him. I think that's a missed opportunity. I would have put him in earlier. I would have given him a chance to run the offense. They really just put him in there to run the football. What's the point? Uh, So that's a missed opportunity to me. I think that comes back to the questions and the concerns about quarterback development. And I know that it's just, it's a frustrating talking point for Tennessee fans. Brian sent me a a tweet asking about younger quarterbacks and getting them an opportunity. And, and, you know, at this point, I I don't know what to say about how they're performing, how they're practicing. Even in games, we're not getting a chance to see really what they can do. I mean, I guess we saw what JT Shrout could do the previous week and it didn't go great for him. But Brian Maurer right now appears to be the number two guy. We'll see as this year goes along what it means for Harrison Bailey. These next two weeks, will present an opportunity for younger players to get more practice time, more reps to see if they're ready to go out there against Arkansas. How good did Jalen Hyatt look? If Tennessee's not working him into the offense more, it's a huge mistake. He's a guy that he is a real playmaker for this offense. Do we see any of the other wide receivers? I know fans want to see some of the freshmen get more of an opportunity. Maybe some of the second-year guys get more of an opportunity. Rob Lewis of AllQuest, after the game, asked Jeremy Pruitt if there's been a time where He decided to go with the younger player in games, even if he thought the veteran player might be better right now because of the upside and the brighter future that the younger player offered. Here's what Jeremy Pruitt said. Well, I don't believe in that. Um, You know, when you you, you practice, you you have a purpose when you practice, right? So um, I don't think it's the right way to build a program because uh, the, the players know who's earned the right opportunity to play on Saturdays. They know that, okay? There's no secrets in this game. You can see it. We watch film every day. They know who plays hard. They know who makes mistakes. And if you start just because a guy's bigger or stronger or faster or whatever, if he's not done the right stuff through the week, then I think you're sending the wrong message uh, to the people within your program when you're trying to build a program. So uh, it's part of, of – you know, I guess earning it every week, you know, because you'll see some guys that will do really good for a couple of weeks, and then they – heck, they may not have it for two or three days. Well, if you've got a lot of comp- a lot of good competitors in your program and you got good competition, well, hey, they move to the back of the line, and it, and it makes them work hard and improve so they don't do that. So that's kind of what we're getting to. So let's see what happens this week and over the next two weeks as Tennessee has time to get ready for Arkansas. It's an important game. I said on the Sports Horse on Sunday, it's a really important game for Tennessee to come back, play well. The Vols need to win this game. This is, I don't, is it a must-win game? I don't know, but better not lose it. I would say that for Tennessee against Arkansas. And I said that it's a really important game on the Sports Horse. And David Ubbin of The Athletic made a good point. Doesn't it say something that we're talking about how important this Arkansas game is this season when we thought that the Georgia and Alabama and Florida games would be a big deal and Florida still to come. So we'll see what happens there. But obviously, Tennessee needs to be better if we're going to talk about Tennessee beating the Gators. So the next two weeks will be really important. We'll see what happens in practice. Defense needs to be a lot better. The defense has problems. And there was a change with the defensive line coach last week. There wasn't really a change with the defensive line performance. Missed tackles, Alabama running and doing what it wanted to was a problem. I always enjoy checking out Cole Kubelik's quick thoughts on each team out of their game in the SEC, and he tweeted this with Tennessee. For Tennessee, it was going to need to be a clean, near-perfect game. I love watching those backs run the ball. 
good with the shot plays. A few were really close, talking about the balls that Tennessee hit down the field, and they connected on a few. And then added the secondary being deemed not ideal versus that group at Alabama. They need Trey Smith healthy, and the defense could not get off the field. We spent a lot of time talking about the quarterback position, and I've said on this show that I think Tennessee's defense can be one of the best in the SEC. I think that's still the case, but the results to this point do not back that up. The defense needs to be a lot better, and that is absolutely Jeremy Pruitt's job. So they get back to action this week on the practice field. They have a lot of things to clean up. Maybe some guys can heal up as well, which will be really important before that Arkansas game in two weeks. And the, pro- the players could probably use a break. As uh, Jeremy Pruitt was asked if uh, the players, well, he was asked about keeping the players from getting discouraged. And he said they're not and that they understand what's going on and they, they face reality and all that stuff. And I believe that's probably the case. I think that Tennessee's going to respond here in a couple of weeks and play better against Arkansas, but they sure need to. And we have plenty of time to talk about it in the meantime. So I will be back on tomorrow's show talking about what Tennessee needs to do moving forward. There will still be more to take out of this past weekend in the first five games of the season. I know fans are frustrated. Fans are tired of seeing blowouts. Fans are tired of losing to Alabama. It's been 14 years and I know you're tired of it. I know you want to see better results. You are not alone. I promise you in that. So I want to say I appreciate you hanging out. I want to welcome new listeners. Locked on Vols is here five days a week covering what's going on with Tennessee as today's show has been presented by BuiltBar.com. Remember to use promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off your next order. Thank you for hanging out. I will see you again tomorrow right here on Locked on Vols, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.